Hello, and welcome to 8 Minutes to Ageless, the podcast committed to teaching you the minimalistic approach to becoming bold and not old. On this 20-minute weekly podcast, you will learn how to care for your body and mind while spending the bare minimum amount of time to be successful. I know that life is full, so full that we tend to put our own needs on the back burner and in some cases are simply too confused to figure out what to do, so we do nothing. This podcast is designed to help you leave regrets behind and start caring for yourself no matter your age, so you can grow older and like it, and I might say even love it. My name is Dr. Kelly Pearson, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a practicing chiropractic physician and author of 8 Minutes to Ageless. Over the past 40 years, my patients have taught me so much about what not to do that I finally just had to get this book written and podcast started. But before we begin, I want to thank all of you who read my book and keep sending me inspiring comments that you're getting your life back. That makes all the difference and makes me smile. Well, welcome back. This is Dr. Kelly again, and I'm about to embark on a conversation around neck pain. But before I do, I just wanted to say how grateful I am to be in my nice warm house here in Spokane with snow around as we take a look at what's going on around the country and what a gift electricity is. We ourselves were out of power for about four days and it was only about 32 degrees, so it wasn't so bad. But nonetheless, we have a lot to be thankful for in this world when we have running water and electrical power. Okay, so let's get started about neck pain because some of the times we've completed our two balance protocol. And in truth, some of the times my patients or folks in my class will say, well, what about the neck? What do we do for the neck? But if you step back and take a look at it, the neck often goes along with the ride, if you will, in that people will have neck pain and nine times out of 10, it's a consequence of something else in their body, whether it's their pelvis or their mid-back or their diaphragm or their shoulders or their upper back. I mean, yes, neck troubles contribute to neck pain for sure, but the neck is kind of the place where everything gets passed off to. So when we are doing those two-bounce protocols, in actual fact, when you go back and take a look at all of them, it gets the neck in most of the, uh, the first six get the neck absolutely in most of the uh, motions it needs to do. For instance, when you bend forward, well, there goes your neck forward. When you bend back, well, there goes your neck bending back. And then when you're lifting your arm up over to the side and bending to the side, your neck goes along with it. And the same is true when you're doing the rotational motions, the head is turning. So in essence, you really are getting the neck range of motion is just a twofer. So the neck comes along as you focus on these others, other areas of the body. And I would say that emotions influence our entire body depending upon where we store them or what injuries we've had. Oftentimes when we're hurt and there's an associated tremendous fear or anxiety with the injury, emotional upset can get tied into that part of the body easily. And the neck is really one of the places where that's common because we're driving around in cars that are going quite fast. And, and I don't think maybe our body was originally created to withstand quick starts and stops, particularly car accidents, acceleration and deceleration injuries. So the neck gets a lot of trauma. And not just that, but it gets trauma in combination with the emotional challenge that you are 
recording at the time of the injury, whether that's fear or right afterwards, the upset of wondering if you're going to survive or how it will impact your ability to work or how it will impact your ability to take care of your family. So the neck is an interesting piece because oftentimes I find you have to deal with emotional components and or certainly meditation techniques to learn to let go of some of that tension that you unconsciously have placed in the neck. As a matter of fact, at the office, twice a month, first and second Wednesdays at noon, we have a class specifically for taking a look at neck pain and looking at the 10 possible causes to neck pain. And the class is designed to teach people, but it's also designed to be a workshop. So you're actually evaluating yourself during the class. We can do it via Zoom. um, And we have a few people there on site. So it makes it easier for people to see what's going on. But for instance, when we're dealing with neck pain, it can be purely from a postural challenge or it can be purely from a joint that's stuck as a result of an injury or a stress point. It can be because you have muscle tightness. Maybe there was an an irritation or a strain to that muscle and it's never quite let go. Maybe it's a muscle inhibition where in fact you have been traumatized and the body said, whoa, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let go of this muscle lest I tear it or break the bone it's attached to. So muscles can get inhibited as a source of neck pain. Your neck pain can be a result of inappropriate support when you're sitting, when you're standing, when you're sleeping. It can come from all of those things. Or you may have developed some degenerative changes in your neck, which is not at all uncommon for people who've had trauma. And particularly as we're aging over 50, our discs do thin a bit. And that's often why we lose height. But there are distraction protocols that you can use that are quite helpful and inexpensive and easy and safe to use. Neck pain can also come from just too much inflammation in the body. And lo and behold, maybe a supplement or two can make a difference in the quality. But you can also have neck trouble simply because the neck has gotten just weak or the mid-back has just gotten weak, not because the muscles turned off, inhibited, but because you just simply haven't been working to engage the common groups that tend to get weak. And we're going to talk about that in later episodes for sure. But the other thing that I would bring your attention to is breathing. And when a person's breathing incorrectly, that in and of itself can cause neck pain. And I I wanted to take a moment to discuss that and and have you evaluate your own breathing protocol. So many years ago, I had the pleasure of working with a very renowned healthcare provider from the Czech Republic. His name is Pavel Kolar. And he does come to the States periodically to lecture to various professions. He has a pension for talking for chiropractors and physical therapists here in the United States. But his work is predicated on truly understanding the proper anatomy as it relates to breathing, how we should breathe, and when we're not breathing correctly, how it negatively impacts the neck, but essentially also how it negatively impacts the low back. As a matter of fact, the first class I took from him was for how to get rid of herniated discs in your low back with proper breathing. So I'm going to touch on those two ideas, both for the neck and for the back here as we go. 
So typically you and I breathe and our diaphragm, this big mushroom shaped muscle that lives right under our rib cage. When you take a breath in, that diaphragm descends. And when you exhale, that diaphragm ascends. And typically when that, when the diaphragm is descending, it's putting pressure on your guts that live in the apartment right below that. It actually will then force the belly to stick out a little bit. And we really don't like to have our stomach stick out if we're trying to look thin or be upset about our weight and don't want to take up so much space. That's the thing that happens a lot in this country in particular. But really when you take a breath in, as that diaphragm descends, the apartment where the guts live gets smaller. Basically, the ceiling is coming down to meet the floor, which in this case is the pelvic diaphragm. That the guts, the colon, the small intestine, the liver, the stomach, the pancreas, the spleen, the gallbladder, they all are kind of being pushed in a bit. And so your belly should really expand. It should stick out, not just in the front, but in the sides as well. So when you take a breath in, you should see your belly inflate if you will i mean obviously air is not getting into your stomach it's getting into your lungs but it's pushing that diaphragm down and the kind of breathing that many of us do when we're anxious or just not understanding how to breathe is that we we get lungs our lungs inflated a different way really the whole goal of course with breath is to get oxygen into your lungs so typically as we breathe in our diaphragm should descend the lungs are attached to the diaphragm. The diaphragm pulls the lung tissue down, the volume in the lungs increase, and air whooshes in and you get oxygenated, which is fabulous. Now let's say you have the inability to stomach breathe because you just haven't done it, or maybe it's uncomfortable for you, or you stop doing it, or maybe your belly is large enough that it's very uncomfortable to even put more pressure on the belly because you have a lot of visceral fat. Who knows the cause here, but what will happen then is that instead of pulling the lungs down, what you'll do is you will use your intercostal muscles, the muscles that go in between your ribs, and your trapezius and your levator, these muscles in the top of our shoulders, and will lift the rib cage up, essentially also creating more volume in the lungs so air whooshes in and you ultimately get oxygenated. The problem with this protocol is that it's not very efficient and you're asking muscles in the upper back attached to your neck to work excessively more than they should and they get exhausted and fatigued. And when muscles get exhausted and fatigued, they can do a couple of things. They can develop trigger points, which are noxious points of stimulation inside the muscle and cause pain either in that muscle or can be referred someplace distally, someplace a distance from where that muscle is. And or the neck will start to overwork because those muscles aren't working very well and the body just plays catch up. And after, after fashion, you have chronic neck pain and you find that when you're breathing in, your shoulders are elevating, your stomach's not sticking out and you've got neck pain as a result. Now, if I were to back it up, I, I would tell you also that 
when people have disc herniations, one of the ways that we begin treating them is to teach them how to belly breathe, which is interesting because as a person, let's say, is lying down and they're learning how to belly breathe and their diaphragm is descending and their stomach is sticking out, what's essentially happening there is that as the stomach is sticking out, there's this force vector that gets pushed outward along the inside of the belly in the front and along the inside of the belly and the sides and along the front of the back so that there's a pressure that pushes the back the spine if you will from front to back and that's awesome because in standing and moving we have these large muscles in your low back what we call the paravertebral muscles muscles outside of the vertebra and they're they're a lot of times in constant tension and the only way to really to create symmetry or to equilibrate that force is to have that that force from the front to the back on the spine through an effective belly breathe breath to create that symmetry now the spine says oh thank you so much but if you don't have that belly breath and you have none of that force forward to back to have a counter effect of the muscles pushing you back to forward that can upset disc material so we can see patients with leg pain actually get rid of their leg pain as they're breathing, as they are creating that symmetry for the lumbar spine, reducing pressure on the disc, which ultimately reduces irritation to the nearby nerve that's traveling to the leg. So it's really exciting in my mind to recognize that as we work with meditation and some of these other approaches we can take in life that gets us to breathe regularly as you do a practice of just deep breathing and you get that diaphragm to move you take the work out of the upper back and those trapezius muscles in, in the lower neck you revert that work back to where it should be not only can you reduce back pain and make the disc happier but you can reduce that chronic muscle pain so let me just say it's not unusual when, when I have a patient on the table with neck pain and I'm feeling around in their diaphragm that they're tighter. The diaphragm is tighter. It's not moving as well on the side of the chronic neck pain. You can teach people to kind of hold their own diaphragm or do some work to open that area up. Massage is really a tremendous way to get after that. So in summary, what I want to say is that We've completed the two bounce protocol and we haven't ignored the neck because the neck has come along the whole time with those first six stretches, if you will. And paying attention to this breath and really seeing if in fact you can lay down on your back and see your stomach stick out, that, that's a fabulous thing to practice. And really one of the best ways to do is put your leg up on a couch or a chair, what we call the 90-90 position, 90 degrees between your thigh and your thorax and 90 degrees between your shin and your thigh. In that pose, you're emulating what a baby looks like when they're trying to learn how to belly breathe and create some stability. And that's a pose you want to actually practice your belly breathing. Stick your fingers on the top of your tummy and to the side of the belly and feel that opening, that bigness happen of the belly as you're taking the breath in and out. So play with that this week and see if you can start to make a better habit out of that. Your body will revert to that type of breathing and the reason being is that's how you were born. You look at a, a baby, unless they have some pathologic, very serious disease, their bellies are way sticking out as they take a breath and that's how they create spinal stability. 
and really in a very important tack for all of us to consider. All right then, so thank you for your time and attention today. And we are going to be back with you talking about a really important thing called gravity-assisted ligamentous stretching, which to me is so important for any of us as we are aging and aging well. So thank you for your time and look forward to next week. In keeping with my minimalistic approach to life, I keep this podcast short and only add the most critical points, not adding fluff. So for today, we're done, but I hope you will do a few minutes of the good stuff we talked about. If you have not picked up the book, you can get it on Amazon. The website, 8minutestoageless.org, will have the show notes and any videos that I mentioned on this podcast. I thank you for spending your precious 20 minutes with me. And as always, you can reach out and contact me via the website. Remember, one day at a time, you are getting bolder and not older. I look forward to seeing you next week.